Hey, this is Ethan Phillips from Star Trek Voyager, and you're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello again, everyone. This is Rico, your host for Treks in Sci-Fi. This will be podcast number 139 for September the 16th, 2007. Going to have a Voyager-packed show this week. Going to be looking at the two-parter episode, Scorpion, which introduced, of course, everyone's favorite Borg, Seven of Nine. Got a collectible later in the show. Have uh, a few listener calls to play and lots of good stuff. So stand by. Here we go. Welcome to the show for this week. Uh, This is Rico. For those new listening to the podcast, perhaps for the very first time out there, and for those that have been here for a long time, welcome back to the show. It's uh, usually start off these uh, podcasts telling you about my week, and uh, last week was uh, was a little crazy, a little hectic. I spent most of the week getting my new HD TiVo to work with a Comcast cable card to uh, be able to pipe uh, HDTV to my new television and able to uh, also record HDTV. Well, uh, long story short, after three separate uh, different visits from uh, Comcast cable people who seem to be a little clueless about uh, getting cable cards to work, let alone getting them to work inside a uh, a new high-def TiVo. Uh, the last guy that came uh, late uh, Friday evening, uh, we managed to get through it. He didn't really know that much, but he managed to get people on the phone to kind of talk him through it, and everything works great. And And I've got to say, uh, uh, you know, once you go HD and start watching things in HD, it is very difficult to go back to watching anything in, in what I call uh, standard def or normal television Uh I watched a little bit about of Heroes last week, uh, and it looks spectacular. I just, uh, I'm, I'm so happy that I've got this uh, set up now, and and uh, the family's enjoying it. I'm enjoying it, of course, and it's going to be great to watch uh, all the new uh, shows coming out this season on the various networks, and a lot of cool uh, new shows uh, in the sort of sci-fi, fantasy, you know, geeky realm that we all love that are coming out that I'm looking forward to. It'll be interesting to see which ones kind of do well and make it, and, uh, you know, which are the breakaway hits like Heroes was last season, and which ones, uh, you know, Fox cancels after two episodes. Well, I've got uh, my uh, orange Gatorade here to get me through the podcast. Like I said at the intro, we're going to be looking uh, uh, fairly soon here at a Voyager two-parter called Scorpion that was at the end of season three the beginning of season four i've got a collectible later on and some various audio from different people to play and uh lots of good stuff so the uh the first thing i did want to remind everyone and mention though the uh t-shirt order is uh ending fairly soon in about a week uh i had it targeted to end on september 24th which will be a week from 
Monday. So go to treksf.com, click on the T-shirt link if you'd like to get your order in for uh, a Treks in Sci-Fi T-shirt to wear at your, you know, Trek conventions and Sci-Fi meetups, and when you go out to the movies and all those kinds of things. It's um, only twenty-five bucks. That includes the T-shirt and shipping. Basically, I'm doing a bulk order, and then the shirts, once I get them made, will uh, get shipped out individually to each of the people. Probably targeting towards the end of October, those should show up on your, uh, or in your mailbox, I should say. I was about to say on your doorstep, but that's probably not really accurate. So anyway, get those shirt orders in if you're interested in a t-shirt from Treks in Sci-Fi. Okay, on to the uh, news and information from the Trek realm uh, for the past week. Not again much uh, movie news. They still seem to be working on casting for the film. Uh, Not a lot to report there, but uh, there was one interesting story I thought I would mention. There's a company in Michigan, which is uh, my uh, home state, and there it's called Eternal Image. And this is a little bit of a, I don't know, a somewhat morbid story, but this company is uh, giving uh, people the opportunity to have sort of a Trek-themed funeral. You can be buried in uh, one of those Mark, whatever it was, Mark Five or whatever, Mark Seven photon torpedo casings, like Spock was at the end of Wrath of Khan. They're they're building caskets shaped like a Star Trek fo- photon torpedo. They've got uh, urns and sort of a Star Trek motif that they're doing. Uh, a, a few different things. I, I'm not so sure uh, th- this might be taking it to an extreme, but you know, I know there's a lot of people that have had. Star Trek-based weddings, uh, Star Wars-based weddings. So I guess the other end of that a little bit is uh, a Star Trek-type or uh, type themed funeral. And I don't know, even maybe there's companies out there that are starting Star Wars-themed funerals. But that would be pretty much burning you on a funeral pyre, wouldn't it? Isn't that uh, usually what we saw? Like Vader, they did that with, and Qui-Gon. Uh, so, uh, well, I guess at least if you're sort of a Jedi. But uh, anyway... I, I don't mean to I laugh at this. I, I guess it's a ser- somewhat a serious subject, but it seems a little bit odd to me. I mean, I, I enjoy Star Trek, obviously, quite a bit, but I don't think I'd be uh, up for being buried in a uh, photon torpedo casing. I don't know. I, maybe that's just me. So, But there's a company out there that'll do it if you're interested. Another uh, Star Trek bit of news. Uh, this just uh, past weekend, they played the uh, remastered, uh, sort of uh, enhanced edition of the Galileo 7 from the original series with a lot of cool effects uh, with the shuttle. You know, that's the one with the shuttlecraft uh, with Spock in command. They crash on that planet. Those big ape guys try to, you know, kill them all. They, they killed quite a few of them. But anyway, this uh, they added some really cool effects with this, you know, that this is the one where at the end they have to expend the fuel that's left in the in the Galileo in the shuttle to sort of send up a signal flare for the Enterprise to find them. There's the Murasaki uh, sort of quasar event that's going on out there that they enhanced uh, that the Enterprise is investigating. Lots of cool things. So if you're not checking these out, uh, the if you go to StarTrek.com or if you're a member on the forums, there are links to which episodes they're playing when and uh, also the channels they're playing on, on in different markets, at least the listing for the United States. So check it out. Uh, some cool stuff. And, of course, in November, all these are going to be released in HD on a uh, first season set for the original series, which was one of uh, the main reasons that pushed me along to getting this HD television and all this hooked up in my home. So uh, that is going to be pretty cool. In other uh, sci-fi information and news, uh, not a lot on Star Wars, really. You know, Lucas, they've got uh, one thing that I wanted to mention. Lucas is going to be putting out the Young Indiana Jones Chronicles, finally, on DVD. The first group of those will be out in the end of October. Uh, I really enjoyed that series. Saw a lot of cool things in the world and lots of neat stuff. Uh, Some people I know weren't really into it. It wasn't to them really Indiana Jones, but... I think they did a great job and some very cool locations. So look for that. Maybe rent them if you uh, want to give it a try and and then maybe purchase them if you like it. The other thing I saw that I posted up uh, in the forums, at least, there was a uh, meeting that took place uh, not too long ago between J.J. Abrams, who, of course, is working on the Trek movie, and George Lucas. Uh, they had dinner together, I guess, and chit-chatted a bit about, uh, you know, they're each sort of the... Uh, guys in charge of two very big sci-fi type franchises right now so that's an interesting event especially since uh 
the uh, there is another meeting that took place back in the uh, oh, later '80s between George Lucas and Gene Roddenberry, and those two you know sci-fi giants meeting, and now you kind of have a new situation with Lucas meeting up with J.J. Uh, Abrams. So that was kind of interesting parallels there, I thought. And and hopefully, uh, you know, he's not going to put a Jar Jar character in the Trek movie. We'll see. Okay, I've got uh, the first audio I want to play from a listener for this week. This is about the new movie. It's called Dragon Wars, I believe is the, believe is the name of the movie. This movie does not look that great, but uh, Nathan, uh, Nathan Moyer sent in a little audio comment on the movie, so I thought I'd play that for you now. Hey Rico, this is Nathan, or Four Lights for the Forums. Well, on Saturday I decided to go see a movie, and I evidently did not pick the best movie to go see, because I went and saw Dragon Wars, or D-Wars. Now let's just say that D-Wars should stand for Dumb Wars, not Dragon Wars. That's how great it was. So, you go into the movie, and it starts out, and the whole first five minutes of it describes the whole entire plot and what's going to happen in the rest of the movie. Why would they do that? Because they think you don't understand it. And, obviously, the writers didn't understand it either. Now, on a good side of things, the lead character was actually Jason Burr, who was from Roswell. And I'm not exactly sure who he was in Roswell, because... I didn't really watch that show. But anyway, he was in a sci-fi show, so I figured that was worth something. Alright, so I put down some bullet points here on what was good and what was bad in the movie. So, I'll start out with the good. That was it. There was nothing good in the movie. So, now I'll go to the bad. Number one, the plot was awful. I didn't really want to watch it anymore after the first ten minutes of the movie. Um, the acting was horrifying. I Not in a good way either. It wasn't like horror. It was like, why am I watching this horrifying? And the CGI, that was pretty much dreadful. I just looked at it for a couple seconds and thought, it looks like a claymation action figure or something. But anyway, the writing was appalling. I don't even use that word, and I'm using it now because it was that bad. So, whatever. And the movie itself, it It sucked. That, that's the best word I could figure out for that. So, out of all the stars I give it, I wouldn't even get stars. I give it negative three Flash Gordons. Yeah, Flash Gordons. You heard me right. So anyway, if you're going to go see a movie this summer, please don't go see that. If you do, I won't like you anymore. Thank you, Rico. That was Nathan, and uh, that was my review of Dragon Wars, or Dumb Wars. Well, thank you very much, Nathan. That's uh, seven or eight or nine bucks I won't have to uh, blow. That was a great review. Really enjoyed that. Uh, you have a good style there with that. I'd love to hear more. You know, that uh, movie really came out of left field. I, 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 of course, follow a lot of the sci-fi and fantasy stuff that's out there, you know, in in the news and movies, and all of a sudden this movie Dragon Wars pops up uh, on a commercial on television. I'm like, where did this come from? And now I can understand they probably really didn't want to have it advertised a lot ahead of time, trying to worry that they'd scare people off. So uh, it sounds like Dragon Wars might not even be worth renting on Netflix. So thanks a lot again, Nathan. That was a great review. Oh, and Nathan did mention uh, Flash Gordon there, giving the uh, Dragon Wars, uh, I think it was three Flash Gordons. That uh, sci-fi series on the Sci-Fi Channel uh, that's been showing... Uh, Oh, maybe for the last month or so. I've heard, I don't think it's official yet, but I've been hearing that it's going to be canceled. That, yep, they've uh, realized no one's really watching that, even geeks like us. So, uh, I, I, you know, I feel bad. I Flash Gordon could have been a good show, and I think they just decided they wanted to make it kind of silly. And we're looking too much at the, you know, that movie from... Uh, what was it, 1980 with the Queen music? Now, that's a fun movie, and it's kind of campy, but for a movie, that's okay. For a regular TV show, I think that's a big mistake. I think they should have done this a little bit more seriously, and at least that's my take on it. And, you know, they really wasted an opportunity here, but, you know, that's the Sci-Fi Channel sometimes. They do some really good things, and they do some really dumb things. Hey, maybe they're going to show Dragon Wars sometime soon. <laughs> anyway, let's uh, let's take a short little break here, and then I'm going to come back and get into 
the Voyager episode, Scorpion. Several's voice could be heard. Captain, the aggressors just beamed away, and they took Dr. Peterson and Ensign Manrique with them. What? Quinn announced. Stand by. We're going to beam you back. Transporter room, beam the away team directly to the bridge. A few seconds later, the away team appeared on the bridge. Helm, set a pursuit course. Quinn turns to Several. Where are the Klingons? Hi there, this is Rick from the www.treksandsci-fi.com forums. And uh, what you just heard was some great, exciting science fiction written by fans of Star Trek. It's our RPG game that we have on the forum, and it is just a blast. I really want to um, invite you to come and be part of it. We have a great group of people that really get along well and have a great time talking about science fiction and creating stories and we'd love to have you be part of it, too. Would you join us? Check us out at www.treksandsci-fi.com. Click on the forums and join the RPG game. Take a, take a read of what's been going on. We're having a great time, and we'd love to have you join us. Yeah, there was a uh, short little promo for the uh, RPG uh, game that's been going on in the forums for quite a long time uh, at... Uh, you can either go to treksinsci-fi.com or treksf.com and click on the forum link and then look at the RPG section on the forum. We're kind of winding down the current uh, season of uh, what's been going on, so now is a great opportunity in time if you want to join up on the forums and uh, you know be a little creative if you're somebody out there that likes to write, and you know that's exactly what it's all about. You just create your own little character and we've got some neat ideas for the upcoming uh, mission or season, and I think it's going to be a lot of fun, so check it out uh, when you get a chance. And that also reminds me uh, one other thing. Uh, you know, For those out there that listen to the podcast regular, and if you haven't had a chance to check out the forums, uh, please do so, and also tell uh, your friends that are into Star Trek and sci-fi. There's a lot of really interesting people on the forums. Uh, everyone's great, uh, a lot of fun there, so... Check it out when you get a chance. Uh, Just go to treksf.com, click on the forums, like I said, and it will take you to uh, a place you can register, and you will get an email back fairly soon that will uh, you'll have to activate or click on a link in that to be a full member of the forum. So that's the way it works. Check it out. Okay, let's get right into uh, this week's uh, main Star Trek episode topic, which is the two-parter episodes... Uh, from Voyager, two-parter episode, Scorpion. This uh, this set of episodes ended, uh, the first part was the cliffhanger finale, you know, like they like to do on Trek a lot. They did a lot of these over the years, and th- this was a good one. They ended season three with this first part of this episode called Scorpion. And the basic uh, premise of this episode is that, you know, Voyager's been flung out there in the Delta Quadrant. They're trying to make their way back to the Alpha Quadrant, and... It was pretty well known that they would have to some at some point go through Borg uh, territory because that's where the Borg kind of hang out. And they run into an area of space that's just filled with Borg ships, and there basically is no way around it. Uh, it's it's straight in their path. It, it fills you know vast expanses. I've always wondered when they hit these situations in Star Trek where there's something like a nebula or a quasar or borg space they've got to go through and i said well why don't they just go around it well this is such a huge area i guess up down all around that there's no way for them to go around it really without being you know even you know their their voyage back to the alpha quadrant is going to take years anyway and that would be taking them years and years and years and years and years and years out of the way so they they basically have to go through this area of Borg space, and that's what le- leads them into this whole episode that takes place here. the The main probably thing that this episode was was setting out to do, of course, was it in, was to uh, excuse me to introduce the character of Seven of Nine. They wanted a new cast member, uh, and they I, I don't know exactly the, the you know maybe somebody out there listening to the show. You know, did they go through having another guy on the ship, a woman, whoever? Um, But the interesting thing is in the very next episode of Voyager, well, not the very next one, that's part two of Scorpion, but right after this, shortly after this episode, or set of episodes, the character of Kess leaves the show. So I'm guessing they wanted another female. 
they really needed somebody who had some uh, more scientific knowledge. You know, that never really, they, you always need some type of a science officer aboard these ships, and they never really had a good, strong one for that on Voyager. They had a helmsman, they had an engineer, they had a first officer, a tactical officer, but the, the science end of things got kind of spread out uh, until then. So Seven of Nine, of course, being a Borg and having a lot of technical knowledge from them, turned out to be basically the sort of science officer aboard Voyager. It's, uh, and, of course, uh, was played by uh, the actress Jerry Ryan. Now, in this set of episodes, of course, she's all Borgified in, uh, you know, different, you know, outfit and makeup and not in the familiar little, as it's called, uh, the Borg cat suit uh, that she wears throughout the rest of the episodes of a couple different colors that uh, lead through the rest of the seasons of Voyager. So, Anyway, that's the basic thing going on with these set of episodes. I've got quite a few clips. There's uh, This is a two-parter, so we'll try to plow through it uh, fairly quickly each part just because it's kind of double the episodes that I normally cover. But uh, I think there's some good things in here and some good clips. There's also a conflict that goes on in this episode sort of a little bit between Janeway and Chakotay. You know, Janeway gets hurt at, some, at one point in the episode. I think it's at, near the beginning of... Uh, part two actually and, and Chakotay has to take over and they don't ag- exactly agree on how to deal with the Borg in this episode and that creates a little controversy there so let's get started uh, I've got the first clip this sort of sets things up a little bit uh, like I've already discussed here's the beginning uh, or near the beginning of the episode Scorpion written by uh, mainly by Brandon Braga who is of course uh, one of the creators and main writers on Voyager and another guy named Joe Manowski. So here we go with uh, the first clip from Scorpion. We don't know exactly how many vessels are out there, but their space appears to be vast. It includes thousands of solar systems, all Borg. We are no doubt entering the heart of their territory. There's no going around it, but there may be a way through it. Before the probe was disabled... It picked up a narrow corridor of space devoid of Borg activity. We've nicknamed it the Northwest Passage. Unfortunately, the passage is filled with intense gravimetric distortions, probably caused by a string of quantum singularities. Better to ride the rapids than face the hive. Exactly. We're going to set a course for that corridor and go into full tactical alert. Where do we stand with weapons? I've reprogrammed the phaser banks to a rotating modulation. But I suspect the Borg will adapt quickly. We can use every edge. Ensign? I've already configured the long-range sensors to scan for transwarp signatures. An early warning system. Good work. Doctor, how are you coming on the medical front? I've analyzed every square millimeter of the Borg corpse we recovered three months ago. I'm closer to understanding how their assimilation technology works, and I might be able to create some sort of medical defense. Redouble your efforts. This is your top priority. Neelix, I doubt we can resupply the ship anytime soon. No problem, sir. I'm working on a plan to extend our food and replicator rations. We have to act fast. The Borg have captured one of our probes. They know we're out here. We'll do everything in our power to avoid a direct confrontation. But if and when we do engage the Borg, I'm confident that we'll be ready. That's a nice, uh, good scene in in the beginning of uh, the episode. You know, you get all the main characters and crew involved uh, with what's going on. They all get to have a little piece of the action. It's it's a good way to bring everyone together in, in that briefing that they have, and it's it's pretty pretty you know it's pretty well explained that and they throw a little graphic up there that they can't go around this area of space. The Borg are all around them. Now it's you know the fact that they've got this little corridor to go through is you know seems like a setup. I mean I'm kind of wondering a little bit why they didn't mention. No one says that you know how come there's this area through all this Borg space that they seem to be staying out of. I, I, you know, you would think that they would say, hey, you know, maybe there's something bad in that area. Well, of course, they mentioned those little gravimetric or whatever they are, weird space phenomenon that they might, might be just avoiding. But anyway, that's um, kind of a little guess beside, and they find out pretty quickly what's going on there, that there's a bigger reason why the Borg are staying out of that area. Now, the Borg, of course, you know, first showed up in Next Generation and were a very big threat throughout that series and into Deep Space Nine a little bit. Uh, it's, uh, you know, they, they were a good enemy, and it's kind of also interesting that, you know, I think most of these Star Trek series, 
And it's, again, one of the shames about Enterprise. Really start in about season three or four to really hit their stride and really start to put out some really great stuff. And, again, I think Enterprise was doing the same thing. And for some reason, everyone just wanted to pull the plug, or not everyone, but the people in in charge, I guess, wanted to pull the plug. But, you know, it's, it's true here in Voyager. It's true in Next Generation. Deep Space Nine, I think... Probably started off a little stronger and, and just steadily grew over the years. I don't think it was quite a big, as big of a drastic change that happened at, in you know season three ish, like happened in a lot of the other shows like TNG and Voyager. But anyway, just thought I would mention that. I thought it was an interesting thing when these shows really seem to get rolling by that point in in Trek and, and in the history of the shows. The next clip here is uh, one of these scenes that uh, was mentioning between Chakotay and Janeway and how they kind of have started to rely and depend upon each other, and this sort of sets up their their conflict later on and makes it a little bit more, uh, almost a little more bitter. The one other mention I was going to mention in this uh, episode that I, one thing I was going to mention that I don't really have clips that I didn't gather from, there are some scenes on the uh, Voyager holodeck between uh, Janeway, uh, Captain Janeway, and Leonardo da Vinci. She becomes, that's one of her little... Uh, uh, idols, I guess you could call it, or uh, people that she uh, goes to for sort of bouncing thoughts off of is what she uses it for and, and different ideas and things. And, and she talks to it. John Rhys-Davies plays Leonardo. Of course, he was Sala in the Raiders of the Lost Ark movies. So that's uh, yeah, it's an interesting part of this episode. Not real key or important, but a neat thing that they tossed in there. So here's the next clip about uh, between Chakotay and Janeway. At what point do we come about and retreat to friendly territory? Could the crew accept living out the rest of their lives in the Delta Quadrant? I keep looking to all these captains, my comrades in arms. But the truth is, I'm alone. If that moment comes, we'll face it together. And we'll make the right decision. You are not alone, Catherine. Three years ago, I didn't even know your name. Today, I can't imagine a day without you. Captain Janeway to the bridge. Yeah, there's a good, it's a good inner, inner, you know, exchange there between the two of them. And, you know, Chakotay was was sort of a a rebel. He was part of the Maquis, and now he's a a solid member of the crew, and they really trust and depend uh, depend upon each other even though he doesn't always see eye to eye. And that's, again, you know, I think what happened in TNG and what, you know, what a good first officer is supposed to do. You know, you don't want just a yes man or a yes woman in that role. You want somebody who can, you know, give you alternatives and also disagree with you when he thinks or, or she thinks you're, you know, in the, on the wrong track. So that's a good situation to be in and somebody you can depend upon and you have to basically respect uh their ideas, but you're still the captain. You've got to make the hard choices and decisions. And you can hear in, you know, Janeway's voice there, her, her sort of just uh, desperation a little bit about trying to get the crew home and trying to decide what, uh, what to do rather than, you know, there's lots of planets they're passing by that they could certainly settle upon, but they're determined to get back to earth and to the alpha quadrant. The next clip, this one is uh, when they start to get some idea of what's going on. Why are the Borg staying out of this area of space? So listen to this. Someone more powerful than the Borg? It's hard to imagine. But they did it. Fifteen cubes. We might have just found our ticket through Borg space. An ally. Let's not jump to conclusions. Scan the vicinity for other vessels. There are none. Hold on. I'm picking up some sort of bio-readings. They're coming from the outer hull of one of the Borg ships. Let's see it. Magnify, Mr. Kim. It's definitely organic, but our sensors can't penetrate its surface. Send a standard greeting. No response. This could be a space-dwelling organism or a biological weapon. I'd like to know what kind of weapon could destroy the Borg. Can we beam it away from the ship? I can't get a lock on it. Tractor beam? No effect. Whatever that thing is, it's impervious to our technology. Tuvok? Are you reading an atmosphere in the cube? Affirmative. Commander Chicote. I want you to take an away team inside. Try to get a short-range scan of the biomass. 
There are still Borg life signs, but they are unstable. We'll keep an open comm link and an active transporter lock, and we will pull you out of there at the first sign of trouble. Oh, yeah, sure. I'd, I'd love to, to, you know, beam over to a destroyed Borg ship with a lot of little Borg running around still on it, maybe, and maybe an enemy that they, that's more powerful than the Borg. Yeah, sign me up. <laughs> it's... uh. But, you know, that's what they do. That's what the away team does. That's what they, you know, they, you know, slap on those phasers and get over there and do the job. But the one other thing that's going on in this episode is the the character of Kess keeps having these visions of this weird alien race, which turns out, of course, to be eventually the the species 8472, which the, the Borg have designated. That's their number. And these are the aliens from this area, weird area of space, fluidic space, another kind of dimension, basically, that have, uh, you know, sort of entered the our area of space, at least in the Alpha, not in the Alpha, excuse me, Delta Quadrant, around where the Borg are, and have been sort of wiping them out. Uh, there's other things going on, which we'll get to later, but there's a short clip here between uh, uh, or about Kess and that situation. So listen to this. Kess. I could hear its thoughts. The pilot of the bioship was trying to communicate with me. They're a telepathic species. I've been aware of them for some time now, the premonitions. Captain, it's not the Borg that we should be worried about, it's them. What did it say to you? It said... The weak will perish... Yeah, so so they sound a little bit nastier than the Borg, and that turns out to be the case. Uh, they, you know, the away team, they go over to the ship, and, and Harry Kim gets uh, smacked around a little bit by one of these Specie 8472 guys, which are pretty cool little aliens, I have to say. Neat little uh, CGI aliens that they created for that. Uh, very different looking, not your typical Star Trek aliens with weird little foreheads or things on their noses or pointy ears or whatever. They uh, they look completely you know non humanoid really, and they are CGI created, but uh, really cool things I thought. Anyway, this um, this alien hits Harry. They beam back to Voyager, and now he's injured and getting all gooky looking in sick bay. Is gooky a word? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, he's getting this uh, weird growth all over his head and face, and they they do a nice job with the makeup. It looks very. Uh, nasty and uh here's a clip between our the doctor i think it's chakotay that he's telling or maybe it's janeway about what's happening to uh our our favorite uh ensign kim the infection is spreading what began with a few stray cells contaminating the chest wound is now infusing every system in his body it looks like he's being transformed in some way not exactly the alien cells are consuming his body from the inside out. In essence, Mr. Kim is being eaten alive. He's still conscious, Doctor. I tried giving him a sedative, but it was rejected immediately. In fact, every treatment I've tried has been neutralized within seconds. Yeah, so I guess it's be, be, the conversation there is uh, between Janeway and the Doctor. It's uh, And Harry just gets gookier and gookier, so... It's interesting, you know, is I don't know what it is with Starfleet and Ensigns, you know, it was uh, Ensign Chekhov in the original series, Ensign Kim here, but they always get kind of really messed up a lot, have to scream a lot, you know, aliens, uh, so they seem to, if they don't get, uh, if they're not a red shirt and get killed, they get, uh, they're usually the ones that get injured a lot, a lot of bad things usually happen to Ensigns, so don't be an Ensign on a, on a Star Trek or Starfleet ship for too long, get promoted, get promoted fast, so... Anyway, the next clip, this one is um, just gives you some good information about uh, this new species that the Borg are in in battle with, uh, Species 8472. This is some of the information they've gathered uh, from their away mission. So listen to this. They've analyzed the Borg's tactical database. They refer to these new aliens as Species 8472. Over the past five months, the Borg have been attacked by them on at least a dozen occasions. Each time, the Borg were defeated swiftly. The Collective has very little information about the species. Is anything known about where they come from? I'm afraid so. Get the captain. The Northwest Passage. 
clear of Borg activity for a very good reason. I'm detecting 133 bioships. More are approaching. From where? They seem to be coming from a quantum singularity. I'm localizing the gravimetric distortions. On screen. Again, this uh, episode has some very neat effects there when these little singularities pop open and all these uh, bioships uh, that are carrying this new species uh, fly through. They look very different, really neat effects. They they fire weapons and they sort of, you know, all join up and fire a super blast when they can. It's it's very neat effects, uh, really cool. Uh, pulled out all the stops for the uh, CGI and effects work in this uh Star Trek set of episodes for Voyager at the end of, uh, like I said, season three and into season four. This uh, last clip that I'm going to play, the, the again, what what happens here is is interesting. the The Borg, the the most feared ally of the Federation and of Starfleet, uh, Janeway comes with a plan because the Doctor has created a method using some Borg nanoprobes to uh, work and cure Harry Kim. And the idea is that these same nanoprobes could be fashioned into some for, uh, kind of a weapon against these bioships to, to mess them up, to destroy them, almost give them basically a virus, give them uh, a sickness, and kill them. And so Janeway decides that the only way to get through this whole thing is to sort of form an alliance with the Borg, which they run into a single Borg cube, and the end of part one is Janeway's attempt to form this alliance with the Borg. And this is where Chakotay uh, is not really pleased with this. He doesn't uh, believe it's a good idea. He thinks the Borg aren't to be trusted. And he's sort of right, basically, in the end. But anyway, here's the last clip of part one of Scorpion. Disengage your trap. Stage your plans. I want safe passage through your space. Once my ship is beyond Borg territory, I'll give you our research. Unacceptable. Our space is vast. Your passage would require too much time. We need the technology now. If I give it to you now, you'll assimilate us. Species 8472 must be stopped. Our survival is your survival. Give us the technology. No. Safe passage first, or no deal. State your proposal. Let's work together. Combine our resources. Even if we do give you the technology now, you're still going to need time to develop it. By working together, we can create a weapon more quickly. If you escort us through your space, we can perfect the weapon as we can. Where did that ship come from? A quantum singularity has appeared 20,000 kilometers away. The bio ship is heading directly toward the planet. The Borg shields are weakening. We might be able to break free of the tractor beam. Can you get a lock on the captain? Not yet. Commander, there are nine more bio ships coming out of the singularity. Okay, and that's how we end uh, the first part of Scorpion. That's, uh, you know, all these things are happening. Janeway's over on the Borg ship. The bio ships are coming through the singularity. They, they look uh, like in a lot of problems, a lot of trouble uh, in store for them. And then we have to wait, of course, when this first aired back in 1997, uh, a whole, uh, which is 10 years ago now. Wow. Uh, we have to wait all summer for the conclusion of this. It's, uh, But it was worth the wait. Great second part coming up. I want to take a very short break here, and then we'll get into part two. What I want to play here, though, I have a couple of audio comments from uh, listeners about this uh, set of episodes. The first one I'm going to play is from uh, Rick Moyer and his take on Scorpion. It's about a minute or so, a minute and a half long, and I'll be back then with part two of our look at these uh, cool episodes. Hey, Rico, this is Rick Moyer. Moyer777 from the forums, and uh, I just wanted to comment real quick on uh, Voyager Scorpion. Wow, that is one of the best Voyager episodes that uh, they ever made, and I thought it, you know, I compare it to uh, 
TNG's um, best of both worlds. I think that Voyager Scorpion was kind of up there on that scale of things. They did such a great job with it. Some of the things I liked about it was the intro of the new species, 8472. The CGI work for that time was really awesome, and it was just, I don't know, just excellent. And they did a great job with the music. It made the, the aliens just come alive and... Great, great job with it. Scary and cool looking, and everything science fiction is supposed to be. That uh, those two episodes were just incredible with it. Uh, thought it was fun to uh, uh, have a new character come on board. Seven of Nine. That was kind of cool. We wondered what was going to happen there, and uh, just the whole thing. It was a great, great episode. Uh, I got to see everybody in action, and uh, some great science fiction. It was very, very good. So that's my take on it. I really enjoyed it. I give that one uh, out of five stars. I give that one a four and a half. That was it was excellent. Well, actually, both those shows together were very, very good. Uh, so that's my take on uh, Scorpion. Have a great one, Rico. And uh, hi, everybody in Trex and Sci-Fi. Bless you. Okay, I'm back. Uh, thanks, Rick, for your take on Scorpion. Yeah, these are a great set of episodes. Really cool sci-fi. Some of the best of Voyager, definitely. Uh, this uh, let's get into part two. Of course, uh, when we left off, the you know Voyager uh, was in a tractor beam being held by a Borg cube. Janeway was over on the cube, and all these bio ships, these enemies, these new species, eight four seven two enemies of the Borg were closing in on them. There's kind of a battle that takes place uh, there. They they are able to uh, uh, kind of defend themselves enough to to drive off the ships and. Then Janeway is forming this alliance with the Borg, and this first clip will explain that. Commander, cut the transporter beam. Captain? Do it. I have reached an agreement with the Collective. We're going to help them design a weapon against Species 8472. In exchange, they've granted us safe passage through their space. Cube is altering course. They're heading toward the Alpha Quadrant. That's part of the plan. We'll work on the weapon en route. Once we're across their territory, we'll give them the nanoprobes. They appear to be holding up their end of the bargain. I suggest we do the same. How do you propose we begin this collaboration? I'm going to work here, on the cube. They have technology that'll make the job go faster. I want to take advantage of it. It's not necessary for you to stay there. We can set up a comm link with the board. It's part of the deal. I work here. All right. As long as we're cooperating, maybe the Borg would be willing to disengage their tractor beam. We can match their course without a leash. I'll propose it. Mr. Tuvok, transport to my coordinates. Understood. We're going to make this work, Commander. Janeway out. And uh, as Rick Moyer mentioned, uh, the music, the music in this set of episodes is very well done, very dramatic, uh, a little bit scary at times, and and just fits the mood of the episode. It's one of the one of the episodes of Voyager or of Star Trek in general of the later series that you really kind of notice the music. I think a little bit more. They did the same kind of a thing with Best of Both Worlds. Had some very dramatic music in it, and I think it really adds a lot of punch and uh, good parts and good things to the episode. The next clip, this is going to introduce, of course, Seven of Nine. This is when you finally, you don't really meet her before in, in the first part of this uh, two-parter Scorpion, but you meet her in the second part. And, and the, the makeup and, and the Borgified look for Seven of Nine is really well done. They've got one eye all covered up with a, uh, whatever you call it, a Borg implant device thing, thingy, lighting up, blinking and all. So it's really, really well done, and, and you'd... Never at all suspect that there was this very attractive woman underneath all this makeup, especially until uh, or before that they uh, get all that Borg junk off her, the doctor does, and puts her in her little Borg cat suit. So anyway, um, let's play the clip. I'm Captain Janeway. This is Lieutenant Tuvok. We are aware of your designations. What's your designation? Seven of nine, tertiary adjunct of Unimatrix 01. But you may call me Seven of Nine. You are proposing a large-scale weapon. We concur. I thought you might. We could encase the nanoprobes in some of our photon torpedoes. In essence, turn them into biomolecular warheads. Your torpedoes are inadequate. They lack the necessary range and dispersive force. Do you have a better idea? We are Borg. I take that as a yes. 
Well, now at, uh, at this point, I've got to say something about Jerry Ryan and uh, her introduction here and, and her abilities for uh, doing this role. I, I think she's just good and perfect. I mean, I really think she added a lot to Voyager, and I really like her as a Borg here. She's very tough and mean, and, and you could just hear it in that last clip. She really suits the role well in that case, and almost even more so, I think, than when she becomes more human. But that's a gradual process that takes place over the you know following seasons of Voyager. But I really think they, they struck gold when they, they picked her for the part, and, and she does a great job with it. And, and as time goes on, you know, as she changes to more of a human, uh, it, it, it really works. It really works well, and, and again, like I said, she adds a lot to the show, I think, it was a little bit, you know, to the uh, detriment to some of the other characters, which was a little unfortunate. You know, they have these large ensemble shows with a lot of characters, and if you bring in another strong character and start having a lot of episodes that revolve around her, it's going to give other people less to do. So that's, you know, one of the unfortunate aspects of it, but uh, that's the way it went, and, and not much to be said about that now. But I think as an actress and in this role, she does a great job, so... The uh, next clip, let's, this leads into, uh, there's a, another attack on the Borg Cube. The Borg Cube is uh, badly, uh, dis- well, it's actually destroyed uh, to protect Voyager from uh, what happens, uh, or these uh, these attacks that happen. The Some of the drones, along with Seven of Nine, eventually have to come aboard Voyager. And this uh, creates also, uh, Janeway, excuse me, Janeway's injured pretty badly, and Chakotay has to take over command of Voyager for a good part of part two. And this next scene is uh, with him, uh, with Chakotay talking to Janeway in sickbay. It's a good scene, and uh, you can hear the real uh, uh, desperation in the captain's voice here. I I I like this scene a lot, so listen in. The captain wishes to speak with you. Please keep it brief. The doctor explained my condition. You are in command. I understand. They'll push you. They'll threaten you. But they need you. They need this alliance. You have to make this work. I want you to make this work. Get this crew home. I must begin. Yeah, it's a really, really emotional scene there with uh, Janeway on the uh, bio bed and Chakotay taking kind of his last orders, perhaps, from her. She's pretty badly injured, so... He's got to take over, and he eventually decides that uh, this alliance isn't such a good thing, and that leads to a lot of problems. The next clip, though, this is a nice little exchange here. Seven of Nine is doing most of the talking. Uh, I think he's, she's speaking to um, she's speaking to uh, Chicote about what she thinks about humans and their faults. It's uh, really interesting stuff. I like it a lot. Listen. When your captain first approached us, we suspected that an agreement with humans would prove impossible to maintain. You are erratic, conflicted, disorganized. Every decision is debated, every action questioned. Every individual entitled to their own small opinion. You lack harmony, cohesion, greatness. It will be your undoing. Escort our guest back to the cargo bay. Yeah, good uh, good scene there. Uh, and that really kind of comes true a little bit in this episode, this, uh, this individuality and different decisions that humans can make, Chakotay having a different take on things than Janeway. But that uh, it eventually works out. Janeway gets better. Uh, she's uh, back in command near the end of the episode, and they are trying to make their way out of this area of space, uh, the fluidic space that they get drawn into by uh, the Borg attempt to buy Seven of Nine to take over Voyager and pull them in there. They're still stuck in there, and they're on the bridge in this next scene. This is a, a scene with Kess having some telepathic communications with uh, Species 8472. So here you go with this scene. 
I can hear them. They want to talk through me. They say we've contaminated their realm. Tell them we had no choice. We were only trying to defend ourselves. They say our galaxy is impure. Its proximity is a threat to their genetic integrity. Tell them we have a weapon. A devastating weapon that can destroy them at the cellular level. If they don't stop their attacks on the Delta Quadrant, we'll be forced to use it. They said your galaxy will be purged. Yeah, so they're not uh, not really cooperating with uh, Janeway and her crew and everything. Species 8472. What comes out, and I don't think I had a good clip that explained that, but what it turns out to be is actually the Borg had uh, discovered this area of uh, fluidic space and it sort of invaded. They tried to assimilate the uh, Species 8472 because they felt that they were sort of the ultimate in organic perfection, and that would add so much to the collective and to the Borg to make them even more powerful. But they didn't have very good luck. So they're actually the ones that invaded their space, the Borg did, and created this war and battle that was going on. The uh, couple clips left, and then we'll be through. The next one is this. Uh, there's a situation that happens where Seven of Nine tries to finally control Voyager, and they break the connection. And we learn a few things about her. Chakotay's been sort of hiding a little bit, and he comes into play at the very end of the episode to stop this. He uh, links up with her and, and tries to, you know, sort of appeal to Seven of Nine's humanity. You know, she was human to begin with. So listen to this clip. Resistance is futile. Captain, she's tapping into helm control. She's trying to access our coordinates. Shut her out. I can't. Bridge to Chakotay, Scorpion. Seven of nine. Stop what you're doing. You're a human. A human individual. Our minds are linked. We are one. I can hear your thoughts. His link is stable, but it won't be for long. You must hurry. Just a few more seconds. I can see your memories. You remember being human. We are Borg. I see a young girl. A family. Irrelevant. Your appeal to my humanity is pointless. Almost there, Chakotay. You've got to keep her distracted if we're going to make this work. Listen to your human side. To yourself. The little girl. Seven of nine. Annika. He's losing the link. Initiating power surge now. Connection to the collective is severed. Get her to sick bay. Okay, so they have uh, just seven of nine aboard. She's been uh, deborged a little, at least. Her connection to the Borg has been severed. She's still got all her implants and, you know, ugly looking makeup uh, on until, uh, which will carry into the next episode, which we'll be covering in a couple of weeks. I'll, I'm trying to hit that one pretty soon since that's sort of. Uh, is a good follow-up to this, so that'll be in a few weeks. I'll, I'll be covering the next episode in this uh, Seven of Nine, uh, you know, introduction. But anyway, there's one clip left to play uh, from the episode. This is the ending. This is sort of a little nice scene between Chakotay and Janeway, uh, sort of talking about what happened throughout these, uh, these events and their relationship. So listen to this, and we'll be back to wrap it up. She was assimilated at a very young age. The collective's all she knows. She might not want to stay. I think she might. We have something the Borg could never offer. Friendship. I want you to know that disobeying your orders was one of the most difficult things I've ever had to do. I understand. And I respect the decision you made, even though I disagree with it. What's important is that in the end we got through this together. I don't ever want that to change. Agreed. 
think it's time we get back to our bridge. No argument there. Okay, that wraps up my look at uh, this two-parter from Voyager, excellent group of episodes called Scorpion. I've got uh, a nice clip here from Kenny on the forums and his take on these episodes, and then I will be back. So listen to Kenny and his discussion about Scorpion. Hey, Rico, it's Kenny from California. I just wanted to give you my comments on the Voyager episode, Scorpion. First, let me say I'm a huge Voyager fan. I know it's gotten a bad rap by some Star Trek fans, and I really don't understand why. Um, I've always enjoyed it. It's one of my top favorites, right next to TNG, and um, I just really, really liked it. So I was excited to hear when you were going to do a review on Scorpion. I am a huge Kess fan, so I was disappointed when I heard that she was going to be leaving the series, but... When I heard they were going to introduce a new character, a a Borg character, uh, I was really excited because I've always enjoyed the Borg as the villain, and Voyager seemed to use them the most since they were in their part of space. Scorpion was a great finale and premiere. Um, I've always enjoyed those two-parters. Star Trek is known for doing those, you know, finale and then pick it up in, in the next season. And Scorpion didn't disappoint. Uh, the special effects were awesome. Uh, all those Borg cubes were were just fantastic. And then they introduced one of the best uh, Star Trek, um, I guess, enemy villains, uh, Species 8472. They were just an awesome species, just for the fact that they weren't humanoids with bumpy heads. They were, you know, completely alien, which was uh, really cool. And Enterprise did a few uh, uh, creatures like this with the Zindi. But, uh, Voyager was the first to do a completely CGI character, and uh, they were really, really cool. You know, because not every uh, alien out there is going to look humanoid. So um, I just I like that aspect of it. Um, the introduction of Seven was fantastic. Uh, she was a cool character, and um, fans really took to her. Um, she was just a great, strong woman. It's one reason why I enjoy Voyagers, because of the strong women. I mean, you had Captain Janeway, Belana Torres, and then they added uh, Seven of Nine. Um, so it was a great, it was, it, was, it was a great episode. It was fun. Um, I was, uh, you know, I was sad to see Kess leave, but, um, you know, she hung around a few more episodes, I think, after that. Um, but uh, it was definitely uh, a fun episode. Um, great special effects. I thought it was a really good story. And it was a great way to introduce a new character into this ensemble cast. So, Scorpion was a great episode of Voyager. Thanks for reviewing it, Rico. Well, thanks for your comments about uh, Scorpion and Voyager, Kenny. It was great to hear from you. Yeah, it's uh, you know it's a really good set of episodes. A strong introduction for a new character. She just didn't kind of walk on the ship, you know, or whatever. They... Uh, they really spent some time developing her. Of course, over the the many episodes and years to follow, they they did spend a lot of time with her character. And a very interesting thing, you know, they they had the character of Data in TNG, which was the android character trying to become a human. Spock, of course, from the original series of Vulcan, trying to integrate and in, with human society and trying to deal with his split uh, heritage. And then, you know, Seven of Nine here, a human, then a Borg, and then a human again, trying to. Uh, get back to her humanity so that's an ongoing theme that uh, is very strong in star trek and it's it's really well done in voyager with the character of seven of nine which leads me into uh this week's collectible now ages ago i uh reviewed the uh the large uh size uh, full statue of seven of nine put out by sideshow uh toy sideshow collectibles but i thought this week i would talk about uh another line of uh figures or collectibles that Sideshow Collectibles put out uh, uh, probably a couple of years ago now. I think this came out. It is a, uh, a mini bust, as they're called. This is of Seven of Nine as well. They did a line of these for Star Trek. They did some of the main characters from uh, TOS and TNG 
And from Voyager, they picked and did Seven of Nine. They also did some of the aliens, uh, like the Gorn and a Klingon and, and, um, and that. So, But this one is uh, it's about a six-inch size, uh, six-inch tall, which is pretty typical for these mini busts. It shows uh, Seven of Nine in her silver, uh, like I was calling it earlier, her little silver Borg cat suit. And it's really well done. What I especially like about this piece is the likeness on the on her face. They really captured the the face very well. And Sideshow does a really good job with that uh, most of the time on their Star Trek, Star Wars, and other collectibles that they put out. A really, really good job there with her face. Uh, the art, to, or not the art, I should say the paint job is well done. It's a really nice piece. Comes in a nice package with a little window. Uh, very well done. It's got a neat little base, uh, which shows the uh, communicator emblem from that's used on Voyager. Uh, just a right, really nice package. Now these, uh, I got number, it was a limited edition. This is number, I don't know, 1,098 is the one I got. They are uh, sold out, of course, from Sideshow from, uh, from a while ago, but you can find these on eBay. Actually, I think I got mine from eBay because I missed out when they first uh, came out on Sideshow's site. But anyway, that's uh, my quick little review of the Star Trek Voyager 7 of 9 mini bust or limited edition bust put out by Sideshow Collectibles. Uh, Check it out if you're a 7 of 9 fan. Okay, everyone, that's just going to about wrap up the show for this week. I do have one more clip that I want to play, but I'm going to tack it on here at the end of the show like I did uh, recently with another clip. This one's a a little bit longer, about four minutes. It's from a new uh, listener uh, Mark, uh, he talks about Star Trek and his thoughts on on his experiences with Trek over the years. So it's interesting, and I, I thought I'd play it for you, but I'm just going to slide it at the end of the show and then play the end music. So we'll end the show with that. I did want to mention that uh, next week, uh, next weekend, I will most likely be doing my uh, what I'm going to call a sci-fi and Star Trek spoof type uh, show where I'm going to look at uh, you know some of the Star Trek bloopers. I'm going to look at some of the movies that have been Star Trek and sci-fi related that have been out, like Free Enterprise, Galaxy Quest, uh, just a lot of little things that have been fun uh, and more lighthearted uh, in the sci-fi and Star Trek realms over the years. So that's going to be next weekend's podcast. Until then, I will just say goodbye, enjoy your week, uh, and enjoy the cooler weather. It's probably cooling off for most people that are listening. Uh, we've uh, been pretty cool this last couple of days here in Michigan in the you know mid-40s, Fahrenheit uh, overnight, uh, getting to about 60 still during the day. But anyway, everyone, enjoy your week. And here's Mark, and I will talk to you next time. Bye-bye for now. Hello, Rigo. This is Mark from Whittier. I'm a lurker. I've uh, never been on your uh, uh, forum group there and uh i've just been sitting back listening to all of your great podcasts i'm a big star trek fan i have been since 1966 i was 11 years old when the show first came on and i've been attached to it ever since i got a little weak on it in season three there the first uh series wasn't too good in season three but caught back up when the movie started and Next Generation, I was a big fan of Next Generation. Uh, here in Southern California, one nice thing about living in this area is that there are a lot of actors that live here. And we had uh, a lot of small shows that were autograph shows, basically. And I got to meet a, a, none of the big stars, but a lot of the lesser-known stars, uh, some of them whose names I can't pronounce, I'm afraid. Uh, yeah, the fellow that played Rom on Deep Space Nine, and I'll make a stab at his name, uh, Max Grundacek, something like that. I got to meet him, real nice fella. Uh, a guy named Bill Blair, who's done just about every science fiction movie and uh, series there is a lot of the people out there that do the sci-fi things know who bill is he has a website called alienactor.com a lady named uh, pam blackwell who's done a lot of them and i got to be acquainted with all of them and one nice thing about that is is i've gotten a lot of small props and set pieces and things from them that they were able to pick up i actually picked up 
a, a baseball pool from the World Series that William Shatner and I forget who the director was, uh, Doug Wise, I think it was. And I, I don't even remember which movie it was, but just one of the original cast movies. And they signed that. And Bill Shatner signed his late wife's name to it. She was alive at the time. It was before she was uh, killed in the accident in the swimming pool. So it's kind of neat having all that junk. I'm afraid I am a little bit of a pack rat when it comes to that kind of stuff. But uh, I love the show. My father was a big fan of Star Trek, and it allowed us uh, a lot of closeness uh, towards the end of his life. He he had cancer, and he was uh, not doing too well. But one thing he could still enjoy was sitting and watching Star Trek, and we'd watch it together and talk about the episode and get his mind off of his pain and trouble. So that that was a, a really neat thing that we were able to share that towards the last Star Trek's always been really important to me. Uh, As I said, I still watch it. I've got, I don't know how many episodes (laughs) on tape. And and other sci-fi, I've read hundreds and hundreds of science fiction books. I've read almost every uh, Star Trek book. I've watched every episode of Babylon 5, which I consider now to be probably the best science fiction series ever even though i'm a star trek fan i still have to hand it to babylon 5 i don't want to drag this on any further i know you have a lot of other things to talk about and uh, other people to play their recordings but i just wanted to tell you that i really enjoy your show and thank you for doing it and keep up the good work goodbye from uh, whittier and uh, hopefully i'll be in touch with you again bye-bye This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. You said don't talk fast, and that's how you show excitement. All right, talk a little faster. Okay, this has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. This podcast, copyright 2007, all rights reserved.